0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the 42 radio stations on YouTube or iTunes, or maybe you're listening on CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the multifamily market. You know, the apartment industry has had a wild ride. There's a lot of new supply being built, and uh, we've had great increases in rental rates and occupancy. How long will it last? I think a lot of people have questions, so let's get them answered. Please welcome my first guest, it's Jay Parsons. He's Director of Analytics with MPF Research. Jay, thanks for joining us.
1: My pleasure, thank you, Michael.
0: Well, Jay, let us know, um, year to date, uh, where are we? Has this strong performance we've had in the apartment market continued?
1: It absolutely has. You know, Going into 2015, as you probably remember, uh, most expectations were we would see some slowdown in the apartment market. Uh, in 2015 and and really the opposite has occurred we've seen uh, further acceleration and uh, demand all this new supply is starting to come in uh, demand continues to outpace supply uh, so vacancy rates have continued to, continue to trek downward at least on a macro level and uh, even more impressive rent growth is at the highest levels we've seen for this entire cycle
0: why right so what are some samples of, of vacancy and, and how they're trending
1: um, nationally, occupancy is now at 96.2, so vacancy of 3.8, uh, which is uh, the the best it's been uh, since briefly in 2006. But but really, uh, unusually low levels of vacancy for this uh, for the country overall, and um, we have uh, seen that pretty much across the country, where overall vacancy went down about 40 basis points in the last year.
0: That's amazing, and that's pretty much considered uh, full occupancy, isn't it? Absolutely. What about rental rates? What are you seeing there?
1: Uh, Like I mentioned, continued acceleration. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are up to uh, 5.6% year over year uh, growth in new leases. Um, Again, that's the best that we've seen uh, going back more than 10 years now, really, since the tech boom. Uh, Very strong growth, primarily driven by the west region of the country, uh, but also some unusually strong numbers, really, in most markets everywhere.
0: Interesting. So what are some markets that uh, may surprise people?
1: Well, I, I don't know if there's any surprises at this point because everything's been so strong, right. but uh, the, definitely the, what's, part of what's really driving up this story is one of the surprises Been I think most folks thought that we'd see at this point some slowdown in the uh, initial hot markets, places like Bay Area, Denver, um, uh, Seattle, Texas some of the areas that are getting a lot of supply. Uh, but we continue to see very strong rent growth in those markets. And on top of that, what's also helping drive up the numbers is that we're now seeing some really strong numbers in the late recovery markets. The markets got hit pretty hard in the downturn. It just took a while to get going again. Places like Southern California, Phoenix, Vegas, uh, Atlanta are all doing very, very well right now.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, you know, we're based here in Atlanta. We certainly see that. So these are great uh, numbers. Uh, great news, I guess, for, for apartment owners. Uh, is it across all classes uh, or are there a, is a B doing better than A? And what, what do you see?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what's really been fascinating is, is uh, overall A and B continue to do um, really well. Uh, C almost always lags, so you get a little more challenges in that market. But even there, we're seeing rent growth around 3%, which is actually still the highest in a decade for Class C. But really, the interesting story is the divergence between the urban submarkets and the suburban. In particular, if you look at the suburban A properties, the Class A suburban properties, they are really the top performers right now um, as a one little as one niche. The urban A market is starting to show uh, some press some signs of, of uh, pressure. Um, as you're well aware, uh, in this cycle, developers and the uh, money behind the developers has been intensely focused on urban infill development, and uh, we are starting to see vacancies tick up a little bit there, just with all so much supply, very very luxury, high priced units. And uh, when you have very transient renters who are renting those spots, we're seeing a lot of competition uh, and, you know, concessions where people are, are pretty easy to jump from one property to the next because in a lot of these downtowns, you can't go more than two blocks without finding a new apartment property under construction. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of options these days.
0: So I guess it's time to build more in the suburban markets, right?
1: You know, it it really is, but we're interesting what we're hearing from uh, developers is that, uh, you know, the conventional wisdom and kind of the, which has really proved to be a myth, is that the suburbs have these uh, low barriers to entry, but the opposite has been true. In fact, since 2007, we've seen uh, on a relative basis faster uh, uh, supply acceleration, supply growth inside downtown submarkets. Compared to the suburbs, and part of that challenge is that in this last cycle, um, developers have been trying to be smarter about where they build in the suburbs. So we're trying to avoid the lessons of kind of the you know building out sprawl areas and you know say like far west Phoenix. Uh, but the problem is is they're trying to build kind of infill strong sub- suburbs that have uh, strong employment hubs and transportation and and, and amenities things like that. Uh, a lot of them have strong NIMBYism factors and very restrictive zoning. Uh, and compared to the urban areas, and you really can't find a downtown in this country that's not trying to incentivize uh, downtown redevelopment.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point, and we certainly see the same thing in some of the suburban markets. It's really hard to get a property uh, entitled and get it zoned to, to, to build it. So, what do you expect moving forward? Uh, what, what might happen next year with uh, rental rate growth and uh, occupancy?
1: You know, that's a great question. It's obviously one everybody's focused on, and you know, I think that what's first of all, I think the most important question is what's going to happen in the broader economy. Because I think a lot of folks try to overanalyze uh, what what could derail the apartment market, and historically, it's pretty simple. If the economy does well, the overall apartment market will do well, and and most folks think that moderate economic growth continues. And so if that's the case, I think what, uh, what you're going to see is that the Class B properties and the Suburban Class A are going to continue to do very, very well. Uh, we do accept, expect to see further slowdown in the urban submarkets, and so uh, for the next two years or so, we're going to see just incredible volumes of supply and so uh, I think the overall apart market numbers are going to come down a little bit, but that's going to be, again, primarily driven by, by the supply pressures inside these downtown areas.
0: And when you say come down a little bit, you mean the growth of those numbers, the acceleration uh, going down, not really the occupancy going down, the rental rates going down, or do you mean that?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Occupancy, we do think, will come down. Vacancy tick up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's primarily going to be you know, more supply than demand in some of these urban submarkets. And rent growth, we see slowing down uh, into the right around 4% for 2016 is our forecast, which is still, as you're aware, a, mm-hmm. a very strong outlook.
0: <laughs> right. That's a good point. It's a slow down at 4% increase. That's pretty nice.
1: Yeah, you won't get many complaints with that. <laughs>
0: That's right. So, what do you uh, see for cap rates and sales uh, volume in the apartment market? It seems like uh, it's pretty frothy. Everyone likes apartments these days.
1: Yeah, it's it continues to be a hot market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cap rates according to RCA are now below six percent. Five point eight percent was our number for Q3. Um, you can we've continued to see obviously very low cap rates, particularly. And, uh, you know, high-rise, mid-rise, kind of more urban product, and uh, so we've seen more activity for garden, and that's driven down uh, cap rates there as well. But very strong volumes, and obviously the numbers are about to go up even further with uh, the two recent announcements of uh, very large deals um, that uh, Milestone and, and uh, Starwood have been involved with.
0: Yeah, and with you expecting rental rate growth at four percent and kind of overall nationally next year, do you expect that this uh, demand for apartments then will continue, and that uh, and how might that affect cap rates?
1: Obviously, you know underlying renter demand we think will be continue continue to be very, very strong for a variety of reasons um, in terms of investor demand. You know you are seeing a lot more concern among some of the institutional investors. In fact, uh, looking at some of the RCA data uh, and, and we're starting to see some of them becoming net sellers. But outside of, you know, that kind of uh, upper echelon of investors, I think that there's still a lot of uh, foreign interest and in other places where there's a lot of interest in apartments. I think what's really tripping people up is you look at the underlying fundamentals and you really don't see any of the telltale signs of, of a of a frothy market or of a bubble. And so I think a lot of what, you know, for the, some of the folks who are starting to get a little nervous, it really has to do primarily with the fact that they look and they say, hey, cap rates are lower than they have been. Um, but, you know, that spread between the 10-year Treasury and cap rates is still very large on a historical basis because uh, Treasury rates are so low. And on top of that, you know, all of the other traditional, uh, you know, kind of fundamentals that you look for you know, you really don't see a lot of concern. So it really just has to do with the underlying fact that the fundamentals are so strong. I think some people are a little bit nervous saying, you know, this can't possibly continue.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, we're short on the break here, but what would be a closing tip for our audience? What might surprise people about the industry today?
1: Um, well that's a great question I think there's a, a variety of things you know but we uh, going back to that suburban story you know we've done a lot of research with our team on, on the suburban versus urban and I think the mistake our industry has made throughout this cycle is assuming that suburbs are always underperforming versus the urban areas um, in fact when you really just drill down to the kind of suburbs where you'd actually want to you know stronger suburban areas with, with jobs with higher incomes higher home prices these types of, of, uh, of areas tend to be easier to get into and from an investment standpoint not development standpoint, in terms of a higher entrance cap rate, lower price per unit. Um, and then also you look at returns and you tend to get better returns. And so right. I think there's a lot of myths related to the suburbs. And I think going into this next cycle, I think that investors would be wise to think about that a little more strongly.
0: Good tip. Stay we'll have more on the multifamily market. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit BullRealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. Please welcome my guests. We have Ryan Holmes here. He is Chief Executive Officer with Rise Real Estate. and They were were formerly Ambling University Development Group. Ryan, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: We also have Tim Schrager here in Studio One with us. He is a principal with Perennial Properties, uh, headquartered here in Atlanta. Tim, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, guys, we've just heard about the, the investment market. The apartment market is doing extremely well. But I think my guests are also interested in hearing it from, from your point of view, especially from the student housing side and from the regular apartment side, of kind of what you guys are seeing on the ground level. So, you know, when you talk about the investment market, um, you know, what are you seeing at Perennial uh, as far as, you know, buying
3: and selling? And, and uh, is the market a little frothy, what you're seeing? It's definitely a little frothy. We're really focused on new development, Mm -hmm. but uh, from what I'm seeing going on in the investment world, it's getting really challenging to find good quality deals at a fair price. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of money chasing a lot uh, too few deals. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really staying focused on new development where we think we can add the most value. Yeah,
0: and uh, Ryan, you doing the same thing?
2: Same thing, uh, we're a little more spread out and go from Michigan to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, trying to make sure we're building the, pro- the right product in the right market. So um, it is very difficult to uh, do acquisition, especially from a development perspective, to add value.
0: So I guess that means it's time to sell, gentlemen. <laughs> uh,
3: maybe if I knew a good broker,
0: <laughs> I'd sell something. <laughs> oh, heck. Um, well, let's talk about uh, the debt market then. When you guys are, are building these new projects, uh, how are you finding the debt market, right
2: uh, the debt market was very strong in the first three quarters of the year. We're, I think, everybody has, has done so much lending this year. Everybody's kind of kind of pulling back a little bit, saying, "Hey, I mean, we're good. We've already we've done all the lending we want to do this year, and we like your project, but let's try to close it next year." So we're just seeing a little bit of pushback, and there's just not that aggressiveness to getting you know five term sheets in two weeks.
0: All right. So their bucket's full, and uh, they just don't want to put more in the bucket, huh? So I guess you're having to go to other sources. I, I would think there's pl- plenty of sources today and some new sources out there, but it's nothing like going to somebody that you've worked with in the past, right, that, that already loves you.
2: That's right, and I think some of our deals don't have to, you know, close so we can kind of wait it it out a little bit. And you're finally finalizing the rest of your plans and really getting things ticked and tied so you're very prepared when you go to close.
0: Right. And you guys, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You're building new student housing projects uh, along the East Coast areas.
2: That's correct. Mm -hmm. Um, We're building along the East Coast where we're doing some in Michigan, but some of our uh, places we're doing more next to medical centers and so there's a higher education component to it so we're doing maybe more studios ones twos and threes and then doing some of those fully furnished with some shorter-term leases
0: interesting how many projects do you have going right now
2: Uh, we have about seven projects going right now
0: okay that's pretty active are you looking for more sites
2: we are but we're uh we're very picky on what we're trying to do we're not trying to go into markets that uh, we've been in atlanta uh, built next to georgia state and georgia tech and uh, we're trying to go out to some other markets right now that we just see not too much building going on.
0: That's right, and you found a broker that found a good deal for you, right? We did, (laughs) got to use you twice. (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about, uh, change gears a little bit and let's talk about technology. I mean, there's been a ton of money invested in commercial real estate technology like we've really never seen before. And it seems like there's also more money in the market, right, the the participants have a little more money than we've had in, in the downturn to spend on technology. How is technology impacting uh, your market, Tim?
3: It's having a really major impact on how we're managing our properties, how we're leasing. Uh, one of the really interesting things that I've seen happen this year when I was at the National Department Association Conference, CoStar has made a huge splash into our into our segment of the market, whereas before they never were bothering with multifamily. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their business um, is really interesting in that for the first time ever, you can turn on your television and see national ads being run to advertise for apartment renters. And they're, they're a locator service. So they're trying to reel in the, the customer and then bring them to the residential properties and collect a fee for doing so. Uh, business apparently is so good for them that in Las Vegas this last June, they gave away a Tesla with $100,000 cash in the back seat, wow. And you know some people thought this was a really interesting stunt, but what I realized, it was brilliant because the thousands of people that signed up for that drawing, now they have all those people's names, email addresses, so it was really a great stunt. And they've got Jeff Goldblum on TV advertising for them. But what we're really seeing down on the ground is that the leasing process has changed dramatically. You can now sit in your living room, Go online, take a virtual tour of, of a property, and these virtual tours are not what they were just a couple years ago. They're really incredible, and they don't cost a lot to make anymore, and that's made a huge difference. So now for just a few hundred bucks, a developer can make a really cool virtual tour of an apartment where you can walk into the unit on your tablet, on your telephone, you can spin 360 in the kitchen, you can go into the bathroom, you can walk into the bedroom, you can see it all you don't even have to be there. And it's so real in HD that it's like you're there. And so now the process of leasing, you're sitting on your sofa in your living room, you're looking at the the units, you can tour around the common spaces of the property, you can fill out an application, you can use your credit card, pay down your deposit, and you can rent an apartment without having to get up off the couch.
0: So you can also get the approval process, is that automated as well?
3: It is automated, it (laughs) takes a few minutes, but uh, yes, you, you fill out your credit report, Uh, and and it'll shoot it off to the uh, to the agency that uh, is doing that report for us and they'll send us back your score and you'll find out if you got approved or not
0: Wow that's amazing and a lot of that uh, technology really has to work well on the phone doesn't uh, Ryan
2: yeah I mean if you can't do it on your phone then this not gonna happen and then you have about three seconds to get somebody's attention so I mean they want the pictures downloaded instantly they want to see it and move on
0: yeah and how else is technology impacting the apartment industry
3: I think one of the biggest things we're seeing is the, uh, the internet service that you have to have at your properties now. It's really ratcheted up dramatically. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first questions prospects are asking. What speed is the internet running here? And it can't be slow. You know, it, it can't be anything like the old days with the dial-up. It's got to be gigabyte speed. Uh, if, it's in, if it's in the area where they want to live and someone else has it, they're more likely they're going to go live there because of that. And it can't just be uh, hardwire into their unit. It's got to be Wi-Fi all over the property, accessible at the pool, in the community areas. Um, that, that's what people want today.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's key. I mean, my son's 16 and my daughter's 18. And if they don't have fast enough Internet, it's really bugging them. They're just going crazy.
3: And, you know, one of the issues that we're running into is really directly related to the student housing today mm-hmm. because the student housing guys are putting it in. So when these kids are coming out of college, if you don't have what they had in school they're not going to be interested.
0: Yeah, they're going backwards, right? So you guys really had to ramp it up in the student housing area, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I mean the broadband's going to be great. I mean, we're even putting boosters in for cell phones in the concrete buildings if their cell phone does not work. I mean, they're the first person that's going to come down to the office and say, "Hey, my cell phone doesn't work. What are you going to do to fix it?" Right. And so you're you're dealing with a lot more technology issues on site than you would be before because they just they need the booster and they need the network.
0: Right. So they're not only uh, playing and, and reading and, and watching videos, but they're actually sometimes doing schoolwork as well, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Most of the time, we hope. <laughs> yeah. so that's how we get our renewals, they have to stay in school. <laughs>
0: uh, that's interesting. So, the uh, uh, student housing market, when you're doing these new projects, uh, are they typically leasing up in the first year?
2: Yeah, we've, mo- almost, most of our projects do lease up in first year, but some markets are a little bit slower. You might mm-hmm. get to 80 or 85% depending on when you start construction. So we're trying to start construction earlier so the product is more visual than um, a little bit later. Yeah. So you might you might have to sit on some a little bit more construction interest mm-hmm. proceeds, but you, they're seeing a product they can walk into.
0: Well, that's got to be envious for the regular apartment developers who maybe they're renting 20 or 25 <laughs> units of a month and it takes them a long time to fill up. We're going to talk more about construction costs. We're going to talk more about some of the uh, impacts on the multifamily market and what to expect moving forward. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. For multifamily student and senior housing, To net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multifamily market across the country. My guests are Ryan Holmes with Rise Real Estate and Tim Schrager with Perennial Properties. And uh, Ryan, like to ask you about some of the features and amenities that that you guys are putting in these new projects now uh in the student housing it's not the student housing that uh that we used was it
2: no it's not i mean we, like we discussed before i mean we're really focused on technology mm-hmm. we're focused on a lot of open spaces and, and the students today are willing to take smaller spaces for the higher-end technology and for more common spaces that they can go out and with technology boards and stuff they can draw on, so they can use, and they're collaborating more today than uh, w- w- before, I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, my daughter's in college, and uh, she asked her if she studies in her dorm, and she no, I don't really study my dorm, I go somewhere and study. And so they do want to, to be out and about and, and, and mingle, right, even though they're doing something they should be by themselves.
2: No, I mean, that's what we're, I mean, we're providing coffee, we're providing coffee bars, even snacks, areas in those, in the spaces so they can go down and they, they, nobody wants to be alone. So they go down, they can communicate and they can learn together.
0: How big is the security uh, in your developments?
2: Um, Security ranges on the type of development. Some Mm -hmm. places there's no issues and the more urban you get, the more you have to kind of protect Mm -hmm. and then you really have to watch how many entrances you have into your building. So if they're not spread out, you're just, you're trying to centralize the amount of space and the, and the front doors
0: yeah and how is technology impacting uh, your business what do you see tim
3: well i think for uh, oh, no, i not
0: talk about technology i'm talking about features and amenities but we've talked about technology being one of those right so
3: yeah the buildings are definitely getting more high tech mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, one of the things that we're seeing is car chargers are becoming more important that sort of threw us for a loop uh recently uh the number of people driving electric cars um, is really escalating and what people were doing to get their cars charged was really crazy <laughs> with extension cords and, and actually uh, splicing wires on our, on our security gates to get power. It was really nutty, so of course it's you know, forced us to address the issue and start installing chargers. But some of the other things that we're seeing, uh, people want to get out of their automobiles, we need bike storage, especially in some of the locations where we're building, in in-town locations where people are riding bikes. Um, especially around the Atlanta Beltline in the Atlanta area, and you've got the same sort of situation in Minneapolis with their trails that that cities like that have developed. Um, We've had to become a lot more pet-friendly than we ever were. Um, So one of the things that drives us nuts is that everybody thinks they're a pet owner or should be a pet owner, when in reality, a lot of people shouldn't be pet owners, (laughs) but try to tell them that. Um, uh, I know Ryan mentioned coffee. I did a tour of properties recently, and in one day I went to about eight different properties, and I believe that every single one of them had one of these big fancy coffee machines in the, in the community room or the leasing office, so those are really popular. Um, active social spaces is probably the next biggest thing on the list. Um, you've got to provide these social spaces for people, just as you guys were talking about with the students who are looking for somewhere other than their room to study. Um, we're really, you know, we're getting all these guys, all these people coming out of school and we've got to provide these, these uh, um, comforts and these features that they've gotten used to in school. So as the student housing ratchets up the bar, we've got to keep up. And so our social spaces are becoming much more interactive from the pool scene to the club room. Um, it's a lot different today we're building our our lounges more like a a coffee shop uh, where people are hanging out with their computers and their tablets and sitting around and working in those spaces and studying in those spaces and socializing in those spaces playing pool playing shuffleboard Um, so that's really become a hot feature as well
0: yeah uh, that's a good point and and with technology changing you mentioned having to kind of go back and, and revisit a property because of uh, uh, charging cars, um, what are you having to do with new projects uh, with the technology changing and kind of the environment seems to be changing pretty quickly? Are you doing anything in these new developments to kind of say, hey, maybe we need this space uh, to, to be very flexible or maybe we leave this space because we don't know what we're going to do here in the future? I
2: mean, we're, I mean, a lot of our furniture now is on wheels so that, that you can move it around so the space change, changed so you can use a universal space to move to a conference center that you can move in things in and out so as the as the amount of people are in the space and those sort of things
0: yeah well I hope my furniture isn't on wheels here at the desk my desk so they don't move me out of here one day it's like all right you're gone they would just roll you out on your desk uh, well, uh, these features uh, are incredible. And how? And, and when you talk about pets, are you dealing with pets in the student housing or yeah, no? Yeah, so we're we're no.
2: building a project in Pittsburgh right now. We actually have a dog walk, a dog wash, and this is a 14-story building. And we're having to take a piece of the side of the, the building and build these spaces in. I mean, people, it's amazing how many people want to have a pet. And you have to provide that. If not, you have a lot of quote, rank spaces that you don't want to be in today.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't know that. So I could have had my daughter take my both my dogs to school. I, I yeah, could be great. free of them. Yeah, you could pay her <laughs> extra to do that. <laughs> uh, no, I am a dog lover uh, audience. Uh, but uh, these are little bitty dogs. These aren't real dogs. You know, these are little bitty dogs that need to be with the, with my daughter. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk more about the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by RealNex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit RealNex.com. That's R E A L N E X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. My guests are Ryan Holmes and Tim Schrager. And guys, one of the things that seems to be um, important or on the minds of apartment investors today is the amount of new supply, uh, but it seems like one of the things that uh, is limiting new supply are the rising in construction costs, uh, especially in the labor areas. You know, uh, what do you guys see, uh, Ryan, uh, for construction costs? You've got, would you say, seven or eight projects
2: underway? We are definitely seeing rise, and it's mostly in the labor pieces. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the subs are trying to make some of the money back that they lost during the uh, Great Depression. Yeah. And uh, we are I a mean, a project we were working on this summer, and we're trying to get to closing now. We start out at fifty nine million, up to seventy three million. We're trying to get back to sixty six million. Wow. So I mean, those are major swings. I mean, that takes, you know, all the value out for the developer and the investor when you're seeing swings like that. So we're really mm-hmm. trying to focus on what the pieces are that we can build in warehouses and take a lot of that risk premium out of the transaction.
0: That's interesting, yeah, I mean, a million here and a million there, pretty soon you're talking about real money.
2: That's right, real money comes (laughs) into effect after a few million.
0: And what is the price per square foot range of, of your construction costs and how that's changed?
2: I mean, we're in, you know, from Atlanta or we're building in Daytona, Florida. I mean, you're from $83 a square foot and we're building in New Jersey, it's $292 a square foot. <laughs> so those are the ranges that we're seeing. So, you know, from a garden apartment to, you know, concrete construction.
0: And then you got to add land cost and soft cost?
2: Correct. <laughs> those are just the construction costs. So, wow.
0: So, uh, Tim, what are you seeing? You, you, you guys have been active uh, building new projects. So, what are you seeing for construction yeah, costs?
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. We've got, I think, four projects mm-hmm. right now in various stages of either just completing construction or in the in the uh, planning phase, drawing up plans for the for the next project. And the difference in cost between what we priced just a couple years ago and what we're expecting to see on the new projects is is pretty dramatic. The days of delivering stick-built multifamily for you know a hundred some thousand with a one-handle in front of it may be short-lived. We, you're seeing, you're seeing costs uh, per unit all in with land, soft costs, and everything in the high one hundreds now to deliver a stick frame project, which would have been unheard of just four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, the. The cost of construction is probably ratcheted up somewhere between 25 and 35 percent just over the last few years. It's at a steady clip. A lot of that we're we're finding uh, the contractors are telling us is it's a labor issue. We we just have a shortage of the right type of labor to build these these uh, projects right now.
0: Yeah, and these rising construction costs, I think, would uh, lead investors to to feel more comfortable maybe with some of these cap rates they're paying for existing projects and, and prices per unit if, if that does slow down new demand. And, uh, you know, one of the things that also I think people are excited about in the apartment market is the, is the demand from tenants, right, that continued demand. So what are you guys seeing is, is really driving uh, the demand for rentals that, uh, you know, from what MPF said, you know, he, they're expecting a 4% rental increase again next year? Uh, that seems pretty strong. What's, what's driving it?
3: I think that the biggest driving factor right now is the renters by choice Mm -hmm. Um, there's there if you would go back about seven or eight years ago and look at why people were moving out of our apartments the number one reason was clearly they were moving out to buy homes
0: yeah with breath tests loans nothing down
3: exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah, right you needed three (laughs) percent if that you get a 97 percent loan you're in Mm -hmm. now that that market is gone Mm -hmm. so now you've got renters who don't have the down payment money. Part of the reason why is because they're coming out of school with a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the money for the down payment. Uh, their parent, they saw their parents get clobbered in the great recession. They don't wanna be put in that position. Um, so you've got a lot of renters by choice. Uh, that, that would consist of the millennials all the way up through the empty nesters. Um, you've got a lot of, a lot of the 40 somethings, 50 something year olds that, uh, that are in that same boat they don't want to own a home right now. The empty nesters are selling their homes. They might have a vacation home. And in the in the city where they live they might have an apartment. We're seeing a lot of that as well.
0: So you see that demographic right now? Like what is the kind of the age demographic of some of your communities?
3: Well, it really varies, and what we're seeing is that it's becoming more more uh, a broader range of people living in the same community. Mm -hmm. So we're really all about active lifestyle, and that appeals to everybody. It appeals to the empty nesters. It appeals to the young family with kids in the strollers. Um, and, and it certainly appeals to the millennials and, and the dual income, no kids, the dinks, if there's any of those left. <laughs> um, so it's really a wide range of people that will now live together in a 200, 300 unit community.
0: Well, it'd be interesting to see if some of the you know, people who are 20, 23 years old, if I move in there, if they like my Beatles music blaring, <laughs> you know. I mean, what about student housing? The, you're building eight projects. I mean, there's a lot of demand for student housing, right? What's causing that? Are more people going to school? Is that content? Well, a lot of it's
2: replacement housing. On our on-campus, we're doing a lot of replacement housing and stuff that was built in the 50s, 60s. We're tearing it down, mm-hmm. and we were actually we were building a lot of apartment-style communities back in the late 90s and early 2000s. We've gone back to more suite styles and going back, we discussed before, more community Type rooms, so they're willing to take less space. High, you know, we talk about the internet technology. We're doing a lot less parking. Most of our places now are thirty to fifty percent parked, and um, people are willing to pay for that when they have the car. But going back to the electric, people are getting more environmental, and um, and then we're you know, talking about Generation Z, and we we're talking about before is how these people are different. They saw a lot of things happen during with their you know the parents, and they were on very tight allowances, so they're not looking for the maybe the nicest thing they're looking for something they can depend on and uh, so we're seeing a lot of that so that change, it changes you a little bit of how you're going to market to those people also are your
0: tenants in your new projects typically paying more uh, than they did the year before in the same market area for an older product or a different product
2: They are paying more. Uh, I think that we're trying to provide the amenity, though, that makes the most sense for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if you have the demand and they can afford it, then, uh, yeah, you got to do it, right? That's right. And I love how fast you fill up those projects. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Acceligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Collier's, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show, I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multi-family market. We have Ryan Holmes and Tim Schrager here in Studio One with us and um, Tim, you're involved with the Apartment Association, you're chairman of the Georgia chapter. What are some of the benefits uh, of our listeners who might own or invest or manage or in the apartment industry, what are some of the benefits of the National Apartment Association?
3: The association's really doing a lot of great things for the industry, and by the way, I'm chairman of the Atlanta Apartment Association. There is a Georgia chapter, and there there are chapters all across the country, and some of them are really strong. Texas has really strong associations. Uh, Florida does. Georgia, we obviously do. Um, But the national uh, is sort of the umbrella organization that we all operate under, that we all funnel up to. Two of the really key things I think that the association is doing for the industry is number one, education, and number two, advocacy. Uh, On the education front, we provide all sorts of training for people in our industry. Um, We happen to have an education foundation here in Georgia. National's got their own education foundation. Texas has one, I'm sure other associations do. These foundations are, are really out in their communities, talking to people at the universities, trying to uh, get the universities to provide the type of classwork that's needed to become a professional in our industry it's one of the things that has really been lacking if you talk to people who have been in the business for decades they will tell you that that finding someone who's college educated who can come and work in property management didn't, it wasn't something that existed years ago. Now we're finding that these kids coming through school, if they get interested in school and they start taking the classes, they come out and they're much better prepared to work in our, in our industry, in the property management part of our business.
0: And is there training for all different levels in the industry?
3: There is. The classes that, that uh, the associations offer run the gamut from maintenance training, getting certified to be an HVAC contractor, um, and being able to handle Freon properly, uh, to getting certified to become a, a certified property manager. There's various levels of certification that you can get. Uh, there's continuing education that I know uh, in the brokerage business you're well aware of. Um, so all, all those types of things are offered through the association. And then of course advocacy, advocacy is the other really big thing we do. Every year it just amazes me at how much legislation some bozo is trying to pass that's going to negatively impact our industry we have our own PAC uh here in georgia other associations across the country have the exact same setup national association is really big into this they do a trip to dc every year we go up to dc lobby our lobby our congressman uh, to try to help the industry as a whole uh, protect us from bad legislation.
0: Yeah, that's important. And what is the uh, website for listeners to go to to find the association? Uh,
3: in, in Atlanta, it's uh, atl-apt.org, uh, I believe. Um, I'm not sure what the website is for the national. I can Google it, should it, right? be pretty easy to find.
0: <laughs> national Apartment Association, right? Uh, that's great. And before we guys have to go, one of the things I was curious about, Ryan, as you were talking, is about sustainability. And what do you guys are doing in new projects? Are you doing any solar or anything like that?
2: We're uh, we're actually doing a green roof project in uh, DC that's going to have solar on it also. So they can actually come in when they come in the front door, they can see how much energy is being consumed. And you know, I'm not sure it's a not a trick, but it's a great thing to show that we are providing about 10% of the power in the building through solar energy. Yeah. Um, but you know, it goes back down to it. Um, this this industry is customer service, and we are focused on renewals and how do we you know, have, have great customer service. And we're try, actually trying to teach leadership at some of our communities by uh, using some books and getting the residents involved.
0: Okay, well gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here in Studio One.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And if you'd like to get more information from them, we'll have their websites at the show website, which is creshow.com. And while you're there, uh, hit the video button. You can see videos. Uh, listen button. You can hear shows. There's articles there. Uh, and we're adding a new sector called a new section called sector, and you looked up sector uh, specific information. So uh, check it out. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. RealNex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R E A L N E X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit cre